Hello, and welcome to episode 158 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler. Joined today with Phil Fariska. Hey, in everybody. The red corner. <laughs> <laughs> you ready for a good fight today, Phil? Who am I fighting? Well, in the blue corner, weighing in at, no, that's, you know, allowed to say ladies' weight, uh, weighing in at something, <laughs> two pounds less than she did at the beginning of COVID. Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho. All right, so if you if you had a Melissa, if you had a wrestling nickname, what do you think it would be? Oh, uh, you know, I don't know. I did have a volleyball nickname. Did you? What was it? Yeah. No, no, Miss Melissa. Oh wow! Nice. That is pretty good. Were you that good at volleyball? No, I was terrible, but hence the name was great. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're like the fighting statistician because we're going to be doing a lot of data analytics today we're going to be looking at some stats it is ladies and gentlemen volume seven of our consumer sentiment study so phil same question to you what would, what would your wrestling nickname be oh <laughs> uh, i don't know um i don't know one time, I one time I had a guy cutting my hair, and he shaved three lines into the side of my head, and then all my all my teammates called me Stingray for a while, which was real embarrassing. <laughs> so uh, maybe I'll stick with that. There you go, Bill the Stingray Fariska. That's awesome. I love it. Well, everybody, welcome to the show. If this is your first time, this is a little taste of what you can expect. We like to talk about hotel marketing, but we do it in a you know casual way. We like to have some fun, us Fueligans, and hopefully you'll enjoy some of this. And if you ever have questions that you'd like us to tackle on the show, you can always hit us up online at Fuel Travel, anywhere that social media exists, and then email us, good old-fashioned way, email us, info at fueltravel.com. And I'm going to say this this week at the beginning of the show, because we usually say it when we do at the end of the show, by which time people probably stop listening, but... Please, 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 if you've ever felt that we've given you any value whatsoever, even if we've made you smirk once or twice, go ahead and leave a review for us on the Apple Podcast Store. That would really help us out. We don't ask for much on this show, but that is one thing that you can do that costs you nothing. You're not driving to work right now, so you can't. don't have that excuse. You're sitting at home listening to us, probably while you're working. Your phone's right next to you. Pick it up. Go to the Apple I, uh, podcast thing click on library find fuel go ahead and leave us a review it's that easy take you two seconds go do that and if you do we'll, we'll have a great episode so we're gonna wait all right everyone's done it now so now we can have a great episode so <laughs> melissa you want to set up what we're going to be talking about then we'll do the newsaroo and then we'll jump into it we are going to be talking about the last consumer sentiment study that we conducted, which went out on July 9th. As we're recording this, it is July 17th. So the data has been, you know, stewing around and we've analyzed it and everything has gone topsy-turvy in the three weeks since volume six went out. Yeah, so we this have lots to discuss. If this was a Mr. Man... This would be Mr. Topsy Turvy for sure, or Mr. Model. I'm not sure. Maybe that's what we need to do. Each each volume we put out, we we just pick a different Mr. Man, and 
that'll be the Mr. Topsy Turvy this week. I'm not sure what next week will be. Hopefully, Mr. Happy. We'll see. Before we do that, Pete's not here, Melissa. Pressure's on. What's going uh-huh. on in the news ruse? With hotel marketing, we cannot lose. Now it's time for news ruse. You know what I like about that? You What's hold. That, you held that one note just a little fraction of a second longer than Pete does, just to show him that you got him beat. I like that. <laughs> the competition, the lose. You just drew it out one extra little beat. It was great. It's like in your face, Pete. We don't need you. <gasps> so Phil, what is what's going on in the newsroom? Found this newsroom on Skiff today. So the American Hotel and Lodging Association calls for a mask mandate, and it's actually garnered some support from CEOs of major brands like Hilton, Hyatt, IHG. Marriott, the big boys are uh, are jumping on board with a mask mandate, and it's kind of very similar to what we talked about last week, um, about how the entire industry kind of needs to come together and and decide one way or another what what we're going to do here, and um, the Hyatt CEO, uh, Mark Hoplamazian, he said that we need to come together as an industry and promote clear guidelines, which for the foreseeable future include the wearing of face coverings and in indoor public spaces and practicing social distancing. Yes. And uh, Marriott, very similar. Um, CEO Arne Sorensen, health guidance is clear on wearing masks and it is a simple step everyone can take when in public when in public spaces of hotels to protect themselves each other and associates we're pleased to join with the industry to create consistency and collectively support our communities so we can all travel more safely so hey everybody jump on board (laughs) yeah they they heard our plinth last week because we did rant. If you go back, if you haven't listened to episode one fifty seven, we we talked about this extensively. How I really mean you. Yeah, well, it's the royal we. Um, but we, you know, you you guys get tarred by my own brush. Unfortunately, you know, we're all fueligans in this together. So when one of us says something extreme, either positive or negative, we all we all go down or or get risen up. So in this case, fortunately, I mean I. We say that tongue-in-cheek. I don't realistically think we had a whole lot of influence on this, but we have been calling for a while now, and specifically in last week's episode, we were very vocal about the need for the industry to come together. And and I'm pretty sure on Lauren's show or on our podcast, I called out AHLA specifically by name, along with AHOA, along with HSMAI, all these big industry behemoths, along with the Marriott's and Hilton's of the world, along with the Expedia's and the TripAdvisor's and, and anyone else that's invested in the success of travel needs to come together on this and, and be vocal. This isn't something you need to sit on the sidelines and watch. Every independent hotel needs to be supporting this because if we don't, we're going to lose travel for the foreseeable future until coronavirus is a thing of the past. What we have to do is turn the narrative. Right now, everyone is bombarded with the media's coverage of travel, which is coverage isn't safe. Coverage, uh, coverage isn't safe. Travel isn't safe. Travel isn't safe. That's all they're saying. Look at how many people right now are reporting on, oh, Disney's opening up, and you just watch. Wait what? Wait and see what happens. They're all hoping that, that Disney starts this massive outbreak, right? And that this is the narrative. Washington Post, USA Today, all these mainstream rags are saying, hey, 
travel isn't safe, travel isn't safe. We have to, as a unified hospitality industry, turn around and say, no, this is false. What is true is responsible travel is safe. And in fact, responsible travel is something that is much needed right now. We see suicide rates through the roof. We see heart disease rates and deaths through the roof. We see a lot of psychological problems coming from the fact that we've been caged up for months on end. The human body and mind is not built to sustain this. We have to find a form of escape, and travel is the solution to that. So not only is, is responsible travel safe, but it's actually the best remedy right now for a lot of the depression that's going on across the globe. So we need to get people traveling. And, and you know, although that sounds self-serving, which it is, it's also in the interest of humanity at this point. So we got to get people traveling sooner rather than later. And the only way to do that is to convince everyone that it is safe. And the only way to convince people that it's safe is to ensure that it's safe for the traveler and for your staff as well. So this is great. This is this should have been the happy news, Aru, when Pete used to do the happy jingles. <laughs> yeah, really good. I hope to see more people jumping on this and this become a real, real, you know, serious thing that people take take to heart. I hope so too. Yeah, it's the right thing to do and tasty way to do it. Yeah, and and come on, it, it, stop being so emotional about face masks. It's not about you. It's it's about. You know, us together as a, as a group of people, as in this case, as an industry of hospitality, trying to make sure that we can make the best of a really bad situation. And if if people wearing face masks when they're in close proximity or inside helps that a little bit, then it's worth making that personal individual sacrifice of being slightly inconvenienced. That's the only negative to face masks is you can be slightly inconvenienced. That's it. So get off your political high high horse. Um, get over it and support this for the good of the industry. I saw someone on Facebook yesterday, and by I, I mean my wife told me about this because I don't <laughs> really look at my personal Facebook. But someone said, if one more person asks me why I don't wear a face mask, I'm going to give them an uppercut. And I'm like, really? Wow. Like, what, what? Like, that's what it's come to is like, you're that angry about it? Well, maybe people are asking you about it because they don't understand it. How about you try to rationalize? your your position and have a discussion and, and maybe someone will learn something along the way who knows imagine that conversation yeah. so unfortunately as divisive as face masks are that's not we the last you're gonna he- you're not gonna that's not the last you're gonna hear of them in the, this issue or this episode of the field podcast because melissa you want to set it up with some of the new questions that we asked this time or one in yes. particular Yes. Well, we teased this at the end of last episode, I think. Yeah. Um, And we did ask if face mask mandates would impact people's travel plans. And it was fairly split, but um, we had about half that said that their decision would be unchanged. And then equal parts said they would either be more likely or less likely to travel to a destination that had a mask ordinance. And then we have looked at all the data based on these responses. This tells me that 45% of people are like, yeah, I'm just going to wear it because I know it's the right thing to do. And then the other 55% are the people who are trying to take a a stupid stance on it. Well, no, I don't know if I agree with that. I I don't think, I think the, 
So the 28% of people that said I would be less likely to travel to a destination if they had a Mars coordinates. I think they're the stubborn ones, right? I think you could argue that the 27% that said I would be more likely to go to a destination if they had a Mars coordinates are the, the probably the cautious people, right? The risk adverse people that that want to protect themselves and and believe that people other people wearing a mask is going to ensure or at least reduce the is either going to ensure their safety or reduce the risk of them catching it. So I don't know that they're necessarily on a high horse other than you know they have a belief that this this is in their family's interest and that they have choice right now. So I think if you look at it a different way, 28% of people are vehemently opposed to mask wearing for whatever reason or at least indicate that they don't like destinations enforcing that and that could be you know because they're a libertarian and they don't believe government should mandate that more than they don't believe they should wear a mask but the 72 percent of people the rest of them are very pro-mask and, and that's the audience that we need to travel right now um unfortunately the 28 percent that that are anti-maskers as, as we're labeling them in, in this are the people that are traveling right now because by definition they're risk takers right so they're more likely to travel and we will see that throughout this um this data because it's just in their inherent nature now we'll say if you want to follow along at home to this there's a lot of pretty grass that melissa and cassie put together for this so the best way for you to get to those is to go to fueltravel.com slash podcast then click on episode 158 and we'll put a link right there to this latest study. Or you can just hop over to fueltravel.com slash blog and you'll see all of the studies there, the last six and this one as well. So we've been doing this for a while, Melissa. Is your is your brain fried from doing this for what now? Like 13 weeks or something, I think yes, we're up to? April 2nd was the first one we sent out. So okay. wow. a long time. It's yeah. certainly not monotonous. I mean especially getting this study back and and the and the results from it it's it's changed every time either for the good or the bad but this yeah. is uh this one is way different than the last one we got yeah. back this is the most different and and it's it's directionally different which i think is really important to note and and you know the reason for that is likely the the the, the narrative has changed dramatically in the last 2 or 3 weeks right so we did this one on Thursday, what was the date, Melissa, that we it's did this? July. One? July. And, and, and so the the one we did before was three weeks prior, which was before all of this resurgence of COVID really started picking up and, and the mainstream media, media started focusing on it. So up until that point, the previous six volumes of this had been on a steady, positive, positive. trajectory yeah. towards people getting more um, likely to travel, fear diminishing, getting more excited indicating that they're closer to, to traveling if they hadn't already, right? So we've been seeing that consistently and linearly going in, in our favor. Well, hold on to your seats because that all flipped in the last couple of weeks. Bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. All right. Should we get <laughs> down to it? Yeah, you, yeah. You didn't like my Gwen Stefani. Sorry. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when anybody spells banana, it is Gwen Stefani. Mm -hmm. She has to, because Blake Shelton can't spell it unless she sings it to him. Hey. All right, go ahead. 
All right. We're going to start because we already answered number one. We're going to start with question number two. Which is a really important question in that we asked, is the reported increase in COVID cases impacting your vacation plans? Overwhelmingly, 63% said, indeed, it is. It is. But here's the crazy wonky part. We broke that down because that's what we do here at Fuel. We broke it down by people who would like a mask mandate versus people who would not want a mask mandate. And people who want a mask mandate had a 75% saying yes versus just 57% of those who do not want a mask mandate. How about that? Well, that again shows the difference between risk tolerance of people, right? And there's just their innate level of risk taking or risk aversion that they have. So we'll we'll see that as a pattern throughout this. We will. We can talk about a word cloud for a minute because that's our next question is number three. And this is one we've asked on every version of the survey. And that is what word are you thinking of when traveling right now? One thing that hasn't changed at all is safety, big, giant part of the cloud. Ironically, coincidentally, pick your word of choice, but masks have just poked their way into this word cloud for the first time. Yeah. I wonder, really interesting. I wonder if we affected that by asking them mask questions prior to this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible, but I think it's more of the conversation. It's more in the yeah. zeitgeist right now, right? It's, Very much uh, so. Yeah. But like Melissa said, it's all been, since since we started this thing, people are concerned with their safety. We see on this word cloud, safety, safe, caution, cautious. Um, people, people are very, very tuned in to... What are you doing to keep me safe if I'm going to travel? Mm-hmm. Ready had been on the word cloud. It had disappeared, but now it's back, which is interesting. And then uh, fun is on there again. So that's more positive, but also, quote unquote, nope has returned. That was on there for a while. Then it disappeared. Nope is back. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's indicative of this resurgence that we've seen that people are reverting to a, a previous mental state that we had. You know, I, I would argue that even things like ready are an indication of that because that, that disappeared when people started thinking, oh, it's okay to start traveling a little bit because we, we things were loosening up. There weren't so many restrictions and the cases hadn't started increasing yet. So people were like, I'm ready to travel. Um before that and then when they were actually at the point where they were planning travel ready wasn't a word it was more excited and fun and those kind of words because they were actually planning and that's when we see saw cost and in budget and things like that come into it but they've right. gone back they've gone back a step at this point it's really yes. interesting well it's 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 very interesting that it it follows um google trends that we see in various areas where Google Trends right now for particular areas like uh, hotels in destination, whatever, they're very much where they were at the beginning of May. 
mm-hmm. and beginning of May is kind of when we saw that that initial shift and we're almost back to where we were and shift in terms of the word clouds we're talking about shift in terms of public sentiment and um are people willing to travel ready to travel all of that it's it's now it's kind of declined and we're seeing the same words come back into play it's it's very strange but yeah it's the, like groundhog the trends day. yeah all of them follow each other uh we're, we may we may ride this wave one or two more times we'll see well, at least, yeah, until something permanently changes. I think the difference this time, though, unfortunately, is is the first time in a lot of, especially beach destinations, we saw this pent-up tidal wave of demand that hit us hard and, and harder than we expected, right? There was just this overwhelming surge of people that traveled as soon as they could. I don't think we're going to see that again. I think, I think now that we've kind of been burned by that behavior one time i'm sure there'll still be reckless people but i think that the more commonsensical people that are going to be more risk averse are going to be okay let's kind of sit wait and see let me dip my toe in maybe so i think what we're going to start seeing is climbing up 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 more like we saw in china and then if cases get go bananas again we'll see a drop and then it'll climb back up you know we're going to you're right it's going to be an up and down um without being able to predict when or how much is going to go up or down. So that's what you've got to prepare for, for hotels listening to this is, you know, you, you've got to assume that what, what demand you have today may, may be all the demand you get for a good little while. And how do you operate profitably in that scenario? You know, hope that it gets better, but, but it might not. And, and you've got to deal with that reality. What was also interesting on this, looking at those mask preferences, is those who are preferring mask ordinances had also words like cleanliness, but they also had uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And those who were looking for no mask ordinances, still, by far, safety was still the top word in spite of not wanting to wear masks. However, they also had words like freedom, which used to be on this cloud that has disappeared overall and excited but also restrictions so it's really interesting to look at that breakdown yeah Hmm. all right moving on to number four question number four is new to this survey thanks to lauren gray's input on his show we asked how will the coronavirus impact your likelihood of taking the following trips? And this was like different types of stays from standard hotel, staying in a professionally managed vacation rental, staying in a VRBO, traveling in an RV or going camping. And then they had to rate it between more likely to do it unchanged or less likely to do it. And unfortunately, the numbers showed that by far people are less likely to do all of these things than they were previously. More than 40% to over 60%, depending on the category, less likely to do these types of trips because of the virus. So that's Debbie Danner stat of the day. Um, on the positive side, though, what was interesting is that the staying in a professionally managed vacation rental had the highest percentage of people more likely to do it. And that was up 20%. I thought that was interesting. 
Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it was interesting yeah. to see the differentiation between that versus VRBO, Airbnb. You know, I, you know, I, I don't really understand or, or I don't know what the average non-hospitality person how they perceive the differences, but it's clear that they do with this these yes. discrepancies. Yeah. Because VRBO was on the negative side, sixty-one percent versus forty-seven percent on the, you know, professional vacation rental, and then only nine percent on the positive side for VRBO versus the twenty yeah. percent. So there definitely is a perceived difference. Yeah, good news for professional vacation rentals. So well, that, um, I think it kind of it's a little foreshadowing, but. Um, people what was it oh the we'll get we'll get into it in a few later but people's fears um seem to play into this stat uh based on public interactions in every way so i I would assume that professionally managed vacation rental has um some kind of mindset of you're around less people um the closest thing to it is camping <laughs> so right. uh I, I would i would say that it has something to do with what we'll talk about in a few minutes about people's fears yeah but i think that's a good like insight right as you're looking at your marketing i think calling out how you have trained your staff how they are professional people that are doing the job of sanitizing that's a differentiator for you right now that you need to call out it is a motivator for people to make a decision it's an influencer so Focusing on that, you need to show. We talked on the show before a couple of times about this, about this this new phenomenon called the the cleaning theater, right? Showing people how the sausage is made. You got to really put that at the forefront of of your marketing, not in a way to remind people of the scary things that hide behind the corners, but just to reassure people that hey, you're doing everything you can to mitigate any risk. All right, moving on to number five. This question has been asked on every round of our survey, asking consumers what would most likely persuade them to book a future vacation during this virus. And the top answer has consistently been the flexibility to change my dates without penalty. That hasn't changed. What unfortunately did have a drastic change on this version is for the first time, people saying that they could not be persuaded went back up. We had seen declining numbers every single survey. We were, I think, about 40% when the first survey went out. We were down to 16% on the last survey, and now we're back up to 27%. So... Again, not such great numbers, but everything seems to be saying the same thing. People are not really excited about taking that dive into traveling right now. Yeah, so one, yeah. one of the things we're planning on doing with this data is trending it, you know, going back and looking at previous surveys and in, in just showing how things have changed over time. Because I think that's one of those metrics that, it, that is a, a data point that that shows that reversal that has happened in the last couple of weeks, and um, it's going to be interesting to see other other data points as that, that tell that story. I think what we're going to see is um, confidence was increasing, fear was decreasing until it wasn't, and then that flipped. And and so seeing when that flipped, I think his, looking back and understanding why is going to be really important for us to learn. Here's here's one that um, I wanted to bring up. 
because I've been looking, kind of doing that trending without really trending. Um, one thing that consistently seems to be at number two is discounts on my stay. And I know we've we've talked in the past about you know this is not it's not a economic reason why people aren't traveling, so don't try to fix it with some economic solution. But we continue to see people say discounts on my stay would be something that would entice me to travel. Um, so, it, what are you, what are your thoughts on on discounts right now? Hold that thought. That's what I have to say. Is hold that thought. Yeah, Held. yeah. I think there's some other data lower lower down that um, will, will kind of inform the answer to that for sure. To be continued. Yeah. Because the next question that I'm going to go over is number seven. Seven, 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 seven. Which is what are the top three reasons preventing you from staying at a hotel right now? And to answer your question, Phil. If you look at budget concerns, it is way down towards the bottom. It had been closer to the top. It had been number four. And now we're down to seven. It was at 32%. We're now down to 21%. And everything above it is all fear of other things. Fear of the guest interactions, fear of common areas, fear of circulated air, fear of the hotel room. So do you think that uh, discounts on my stay would entice me to travel thing is more because a lot of people jumped on that bandwagon right away and now consumers are expecting it? Well, I, th- I think price and value are always two levers, right? They, they always have been, always will be. They're factors in the decision-making process. I think what the data is telling me and experience has told me throughout this is those levers aren't as effective as they were. Like they were the primary motivators. They're not anymore. And so I, I think th- there's still a component that's still important, but it's not where your focus should be. Should, should your rate be lower today than it was this time last year? Probably because demand is lower and your competition have probably lowered their rate. So I would go back to episode 149 of our show where we talked to Lily Mockerman about what you should be doing from a rate management perspective and listen to what she said, you know, number one was don't lower your rate. And number two was, well, number one's a myth. You should lower your rate, but do it appropriately, right? So I, I think you've got to take this nuanced, pragmatic approach to it, but know that it's not its not the effective weapon that was misused so much by the industry for so long. It was like, hey, let's, let's put heads in beds. All right, let's come up with a discount. That was always the go-to. I'm a much bigger proponent of let's figure out how can we add value. There's, there's value that can be had right now that is different than it was before. You know, may, maybe the value is in, in increased something, right, or, or providing them unique something that they didn't have before. Um, like, so I think you want to be careful. You don't want to get caught in that zero-sum game of just discounting because if you discount, then the guy next to you is going to discount, and the guy next to them is going to discount, and then you're all in this price war that no one can win. It ends up with everyone losing even the customer because then the quality is is gonna erode right because you can't afford to maintain the property or or provide the staff so price price is something that i would go to last i think you can get people to travel now 
if one, they're, they're the type of people that are willing to take a risk, but two, if you reassure them, look at the other stuff that's preventing them from travel. Fear is by far the biggest one is going to have a much bigger impact. If you can eliminate the fear, eliminate the uncertainty, if you can do those two things, give them flexibility, those are all going to help drive more bookings than just giving a 20% discount right now. Yeah, I was sort of kind of bringing this up earlier when we were talking about, you know, would people stay or where would people stay? Um, and the professionally managed vacation rental seemed to be the highest thing. And that's because of fear of other guest interactions is by far. Well, that know, and the common one, areas too. Yeah, common, common areas. So, so your top two fears are completely eliminated in those scenarios. Right. So as a hotel, um, how do you quell that fear with your guests, uh, what can you do from an operations perspective that makes them feel that they are not going to have a oh, lot oh, of guest oh, interaction? Oh, 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 I've got an idea. You should, <laughs> you, that, should, you should go get the Fuel mobile app and digital key because that completely eliminates <laughs> the need for a guest to go to the front desk. Adds a lot of reassurance. So, yeah, I think you can get that from your friends over at fueltravel.com slash mobile and learn all about the mobile app. And digital key, which is great, and lots of people are taking advantage of it. We just we signed we signed seven more properties just today on that thing, and we're gonna we rolled out. I think we rolled out about ten last week, so it's 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 chugging along. People, you hear that, like hoteliers? Your competitors have an advantage from over you because they got the Fuel Hotel mobile app. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, but you got. Just, uh, oh, go yeah. ahead. Well, I was going to say there are other ways too, right? So, so I'm jumping ahead to a to a future question, but we asked the question again about housekeeping, and and I'll let Melissa relay the data. But that that's another opportunity, right? Some people see housekeeping as a risk. Having someone come into my room while I'm there adds risk to me. Some people say I want a professional person to come in and sanitize things while I'm there, right? It's it's different. Different mindsets and, and different people are going to attribute different value to different things. So you absolutely need to give guests choice right now because no two people are the same. They're not in the same mindset. They don't interpret information the same way and, and they don't behave the same way. So every single guest that comes to your hotel right now, you should be telling them, hey, because of COVID-19, we're, we're updating our cleaning policies you have a choice. Would you like to receive daily housekeeping just like normal? Would you like us to go to every other day? Or would you like us to just replace towels? Or would you like us to only clean your room when you let us know you want it cleaned? You know, Just give them a three or four options. Let them choose. They're going to be happier because they feel like they're in control. And it's going to appease some of their fears. And guess what? In that case, you're going to be turning over fewer rooms. You're going to be cleaning fewer rooms. And you're going to be able to save money, which right now you need to save money because we're in for a long slog ahead of us. Let me let me call back to our news today. So the AHLA uh, mask mandate, there were a couple more pushes associated with that. Guess what they were? Contactless hotel features and a housekeeping opt-out plan. So there you go. <laughs> you're welcome, AHLA. We've been saying it for weeks. How about that? Well, I just do want to reiterate how important this fear issue is because this is one of those stats that greatly changed since the last survey. 
looking at fear of other guests' interactions, we had a 10 percentage point increase from 41% to 51% of people who voted that, and an 11 percentage increase from fear of common areas, 30% up to 41%. This is in a three-week period. This is what has changed. That is a huge increase. Huge. Thank you. Thank you, mainstream media. Thank you, USA Today, for having your opinion piece that defined travel as really risky right now. And um, thank you, New York Times, for all your articles that are talking about how travel is unsafe. It, it's it's unbelievable how many opinions are getting cast around as you know news fact. or fact that it's just opinion. This well, they, is, they, we know that they prey on fear, and it's it's shown up in our study. That, that you should be afraid of everything has now shown up even even more so than it had in the past. Now everyone should have you know a reasonable amount of it because you know again, safety was one thing that they were concerned with. But this type of increase that we saw in fear of other people, I believe, like you said, Stuart, probably a, uh, a direct correlation with what we've been seeing in in the news cycle for the past, three weeks and here's the kicker though this is what really burns my buttons so we broke this out by mask preference and not surprisingly those who prefer masks obviously had a higher fear of other guests they voted at 65 percent still the people who don't want to wear a mask almost half of them still have fear of other guests interaction (laughs) what it's the mindset, you know, it, it, they're definitely, look, they're, they're the kind of people, if you're the kind of person, and I'm probably going to piss some people off that listen to this show, but if you're the kind of person that doesn't want to wear a mask right now, because it's inconveniencing you, then you're the kind of person that looks at the world from your own perspective all the time. You're not someone that looks at it from other people's perspective. And so I, I get it, right? They're, they're saying, oh, those people over there, they're dangerous to me, but they're not considering the fact that, oh, you may be an unwitting danger to them. You may be an asymptomatic carrier of the disease so or the virus. So, you know, it's just how you look at the world. I mean, I'm not judging those people. They're just different, you know, and that's fine. But that that's why that, that number, it, I think, confuses you a little bit. It seems hypocritical, but I don't think it is. I'll take your word on that. <laughs> We're going to move on to question number eight. During the outbreak, I would like to hear from hotels on the following topics. And this this is is my favorite one that's changed, I think. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is one, again, we've asked on every round of the survey. And uh, Phil, to go back to your question about budgets and pricing and all the things, those asking for packages and deals have decreased from 53% down to 45%. It is now the number four spot in our list. What is number one is still what the property is doing to protect guests. But what has moved into the number two spot is really interesting, which is how the coronavirus is affecting the local area. Which is directly related to how the media is portraying travel right now. You, you have literally destinations being called a cesspool by mainstream media, you you have people calling out. You you have um, 
governors of states calling out specific municipalities. You know, you have the governor of Georgia suing the 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 mayor of Atlanta because of the mask ordinance, and and you know all the all this stuff is making people hyper vigilant, hyper focused on what is going on there, and it's on both sides, right? Because it might be people looking and saying. I want to know what's going on in that area because I want to know the activity of coronavirus. But it also might be I want to know what's open, what's not, what my restrictions are. Do I have to wear a mask? Do I not? So it makes sense that that one's jumped up. For me, I would love to see you know, what is the uh, capacity of your hospitals of you know COVID patients right now. Like some some kind of objective stat like that, I feel like would be much more helpful than reading news stories about what other people think about some given area. That would mm. be great, but I don't see it happening, my friend. Oh, you're right, but I can hope. Who's got maracas in the background? Uh, that would be my dog. Okay, that's a talented dog, playing maracas. Hey, you know, if I'm going to get a dog, I'm getting a talented one. That's right. She's teaching it to be a musician already. That's right. The other thing about this question was the fact that, again, I'm just going to harp on all the mask things, um, but those people who prefer no mask did actually vote packages and deals at their top choice. 51% did say, send me all the packages and deals. That is so interesting. That's why it's my favorite stat right there. Because their biggest motivator is price. That's what they want to hear about because they're not scared. Right. Except they are a little bit. Right. They're, yeah. they're still scared of other people, 43% yeah. of them or something like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to number nine. How likely are you to book a trip in the number of next days 30 60 90 six months or in the next year again more debbie downer news here uh this is the first time we've seen a decrease in those answering at least maybe in the next 30 days we dropped from 57 percent down to 43 percent i wonder so, if those people already traveled yeah i think <laughs> we, we we had that conversation on the um Lauren's show earlier today when we were talking about some of this data. I think what we need to do next next volume, Melissa, and I sent you an email about it earlier, is um, segment people. You know, ask them a question at the beginning about have you already traveled or do you intend yeah. to travel, and, and then um, and then ask different questions or, yeah, we'll or at least be able to filter between the two. Yeah, because about how how was your stay or you know what what were you concerned yeah. with. Yeah, what was the experience? Because I think if someone has traveled, what their experience was like, did it meet expectations, is going to be important for marketers moving forward. So I think we can do provide more value out of this. It's going to be more work, Melissa, but I think we can provide more value by doing it that way. Yeah. Yeah, let's do, you, do hey, it. Hey, question for you. Do you remember what you did before we started doing these studies? I was just sitting here twiddling my thumbs. I had nothing yeah. to do. <laughs> she wasn't analyzing until 8 p.m. anyway. This is true. This is true. All right, moving on. 
Moving on. Uh, let's see. Number 10. How soon will you be willing to make the following trips? This is looking at distance from home. One thing that has been consistent is the two-hour drive market that has always been the most popular close-in choice. It still is, but all categories within one month and one to three months have pretty much dropped down quite a bit compared to the last survey. Which so within yeah, yes. said. Yeah. the two hour drive within one month decreased from 32% down to 28%. And previously it had actually been higher at 34%. So we've actually been seeing that a little bit on mm -hmm. a downturn for the last couple of surveys. So Staying local was at 20%, it's down to 14%, and driving up to six hours was at 22%, and has dropped down to 18%. So, Wackity all wackies. of that mm -hmm. on the down. And if you need to know how to target your local drive market, we have a pretty good blog post on that. If you do we say do. so yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I may have written that blog post, so... <laughs> Yeah, fueltravel.com slash blog. I'll also link to that in the show notes, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 158. It's also linked within the survey results. There you go. Thanks, Melissa. I'm Yay. doing my best here. Doing my best. All right, moving on to number 11. 11. 11, 11, 11, 11, 11. How soon will you be willing to travel to the following destination types? And we've been asking this one for a while. All the things that are open, low touch, out in nature, still most popular. But again, everything has kind of shrunk uh, within that one or zero to three month period, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, that beach destination within one month decreased from 31% down to 25%, while more than a year increased from 9 to 17%. So everything's moving. Moving on up. Moving on up. Yeah, not a lot yeah. to say about that. Keep going. Keep going. Number 11, since Love, we've already we, talked about we, this. Hey, wait, is... we just did number 11, 11, 11. Oh, did I miss oh, number? You <gasps> did. I numbered. Oh, there's a bonus question. This is 11A. All right. 11A. 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 We already covered it, like you said, so it's okay. Wow. I'm very excited. two number 11s. There's okay. two number 11s. 22. Wow. That's right. Uh, we did already talk about housekeeping a bit, but basically... We asked, how often do you want it? Overwhelmingly, people want it only when they request it. I wonder what this would answer would have been prior to all this happening. If we would have asked this last year before yeah. coronavirus was ever a thing, like, when do, you want, when do you want it? And if people said only when I request it? You know what the guy said on Facebook about people that kept asking him about why he doesn't wear a face mask and what he said he was going to do? I feel like doing that to everyone that tells us, hey, I wish you'd had this data from before COVID. <laughs> Because we keep getting people keep saying that about all these data points. I'm like, we didn't stop it. We sorry. Yes, we wish we I'm, had. I'm just. I'm. I really. I really think that the only one I requested would have been something everyone would have done, and it's something the industry didn't realize that it needed until now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I, but I think a lot of these indicators. Like I would love to have seen the word cloud 
before COVID. You know, we did ask sure. on the second edition, we asked what, before COVID what was the word, but it's not really the same. It's a proxy for what, what it should be. But yeah, I, I think we're going to continue to do some form of survey regularly, you know, probably not every three weeks, but maybe once a quarter every every six months just so we have a benchmark of this kind of stuff the other thing we melissa and i talked about this week was how can we come up with some kind of metric like a single number that encapsulates the level of confidence of travel right now and, and takes into account fear um, opportunity demand all that stuff and, and just have a quantifiable number like an index that we can continue to report on and say okay this is this is the Kind of like, um, you know, like Here's Moz. your weather report for the yeah. day. Yeah, like, the yeah, like Moz does with their weather report with the search volatility. Something yes. like that for travel would, be really, would be really good. So we're, we're working on that and someone listening might steal the idea, but that's okay. Because I think hey, more information we have, but I don't think that's how you do a trademark. It Notarized. Is. That's not how you do it. Give, um, a, give us a link. <laughs> yeah. Just credit us. It'll be fine. And give us all the money you make from it. But yeah, we're, we're talking through that. So, all right. Moving on to number 12. That 12, says 12, it's number 12. 12 slash 13. This is actually my favorite question because I was so flabbergasted by the change in responses from the previous survey. This is asking about how likely people are to use amenities on site, most of which were water type things, outdoor pool, indoor pool, hot tub, etc. We also asked about the gym, gaming, arcade, business center, and spa. In our previous survey, those quote-unquote definitely going to use an outdoor pool versus an indoor pool were very different from each other. On this round, they're still different, but they're not as different. Where 27% would say an outdoor pool versus 15% using an indoor pool. Now, if we blow that up, looking at that outdoor pool, last survey, it was at 44%. So 44% versus 27% definitely to use an outdoor pool. Mind you, we're asking this in July. And that's the difference in response. And Lazy River is the second most popular for the definitely response that was at 31 percent it is now down to 18 percent i really wonder what the difference is there that there's these are outdoor activities chlorinated outdoor environments i don't know but you've seen the the spike the jump in fear of other people I mean, it's it's people don't want to be near the the other people because the other people are the bad people and we're the good people and this tribalism. Everybody needs the the six foot inner tube, and then you can't touch anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, bad idea, Phil. <laughs> then breaking that down by the mask ordinance preference, not surprising, but still eye-opening nonetheless so the people who want a mask ordinance would prefer a mask ordinance saying definitely to outdoor pools was at just about 19 percent versus those without wanting masks at 36 percent on an outdoor pool Hmm. it's giant 
difference. And then on the Lazy River standpoint, those looking for a mask ordinance was at 12% versus 24% for those who don't want to wear masks. It's yeah. bananas. Yeah. These people Again, are different. I say bananas. Yeah. People are different. Yeah. yeah. Moving on to question 13. Which 13, is... 14, 13, 14, 13, 14. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at uh, how likely you are to do the following. And this is talking about food choices. And certainly uh, throughout the survey that we've, when we've asked this question, eating outside has been more popular than eating inside. That is still the case. Buying groceries for the room, very, very popular. Also, ordering takeout, almost 50% said that they were likely to order takeout and bring it into their room. Now, again, looking at this survey versus the last survey, differences. And I purposely looked at the more risky ones, which would be eating inside. So eating inside on site and eating inside at a local restaurant. Last survey, those saying likely was at 28%. Those for this survey were down to 22%. Those saying definitely were 17% versus 10% on this survey. Eating inside at a local restaurant on the definitely was at 24% versus 15% on this survey. Those are big drops in numbers. Again, thank you, media. Yeah, it, it is. And I think there's opportunity here, though, right? I think that obviously when someone travels, they have to eat. That, that's, you know, that's that's a necessity for human beings. I don't know if you're aware of that or yes. not. So we, we have to consume food to convert to energy. So how how they consume food is, is obviously different, and, and fear is a major factor in that again. So again, can you reassure people? If we now know that 50% of people, for example, want to do takeout, what can you do to help make that easier? Can you become an authority on local area restaurants and inform people before they arrive you know, by writing blogs or sending in a pre-arrival message? These are the restaurants within walking distance or these are the restaurants that deliver or within a one-minute car ride or whatever it is to us, here are their opening hours, here's their menu, and, and then even maybe offering um, that in a, in a, if you're still doing key packets and things like that, don't put it in the room because I think that's um, problematic, but maybe give people disposable lists of here are the local phone numbers of the restaurants that we recommend, and guess what? We've gone and negotiated a special discount for our guests as well. Restaurants would jump all over working with hotels right now, and you as a hotel could probably get exposure. You could probably get links from local restaurant websites to help you with search engine visibility. Um, so, so you really got to look at this as a community approach and try to w reach out to local businesses and try to support each other because I think that's going to help everyone get through it. Or you're going to have guests show up at the cooler of Uncrustables like I would. Because you're a four-year-old. Grown-ass men that are having babies don't eat Uncrustables. False. Inherently false. Sorry. Shouldn't. Shouldn't. I have never eaten an Uncrustable. I think my children did when they were four. You know, we'd take them to the beach or something. Because by the time they eat them, they defrost. 
I'm going to give you guys all an Uncrustable, and everyone's going to be like, wow, why aren't I eating these all the time? Because I can make my own sandwich. But you don't <laughs> have to. And the perfection of the the, the cream peanut sauce. butter to jelly ratio and the nice cold texture. I'm not going to get into why I like Uncrustables on here. But. Well, apparently Let me are. just tell you, though. I I am trademarking my way of making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because I swear I make the best peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So if I will it's... put my peanut butter and jelly sandwich up against oh, an uncrustable blind taste oh, test. Oh, I want this taste test. How do you make yours, Melissa? That's so special. What's, Is what's, it a secret? What's your What's your temperature though? Because I feel like that's uh, that's a big reason why uncrustables are good. <laughs> Room temperature, everything. But you gotta have the peanut butter on both sides of the bread. Wait, on the outside of the bread? No, no, no. I mean, like both slices of bread have to have peanut butter on it. Oh, uh, so so the, the sandwich the jelly is a sandwich between two layers of peanut butter. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Does that I, I, not throw I mean, off your well, ratio? No. Oh, it's perfect. It's delicious. Uh-huh. That's how it should be. She's got it right. I'm really mm. curious. You know, what's, you know what's what's your bread choice? Oh, it almost doesn't matter. If I can find rye bread, that's great. I, any bread is good. I'm good. English muffin, even better. But then it's open sandwich. Then you have to fix fix it all into the nooks and crannies. It's a melted peanut butter. Oh, yeah. Are you when you toast me? an English muffin, or or better, oh, oh so yeah, good. or better yet, a crumpet, and then put peanut butter on it. That's that's the way to go. So, so Americans are the only country that's obsessed with peanut butter and jelly, right? Every other country really? doesn't do this thing to the level that you guys do. In fact, in England, it's very rare that you would have people having peanut butter and jelly. More popular is peanut butter and chocolate spread of some kind, like a, a Nutella or something like that. Yeah. So, so the reason I bring that up, Phil, is you can get chocolate uncrustables. So what's your, what's your opinion there? Controversial subject. No, I want I want the jelly. <laughs> Je- jelly all day. Does it come in different flavor jelly? Or is it just one? Is it like grape I think jelly? You can or... get grape and strawberry maybe. And maybe there's one yeah, or two think, ones. Yeah, right there's a handful of them. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go check my freezer and be sure. Yeah. Well You've been I mean, eating this many and you don't know what flavor you're eating? No. <laughs> it's jelly flavored. Um, well, I'm sure people tuned in to listen to our opinions on Uncrustables. Are we done with the data, Melissa? I just have to point out one more thing about right. this particular question, and that, again, still on the masks, because mm-hmm. those eating inside at a restaurant on site who do who do want masks, less than 5% voting, definitely, versus 17% of those with no mask. And those eating at a local restaurant inside, I can't even read the numbers in this chart. The number is so small of people who want masks versus 23% without masks. Wait, so say say that again. I think you said it backwards, I think. So the people who, oh, no, no, no. The people that want a mask ordinance, you're saying are less likely to eat in a restaurant? Okay. Inside, yes. That makes sense. Far less. Yes. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another great analysis from Mel Kavanaugh over here at Fuel. If you, if you want to 
take a gander at those, fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 158, all the pretty charts that go along with it. We'll be pushing out another um, round of this in three weeks. If well, Actually, in two weeks, we'll be pushing out, we'll be reporting on it in, in three. But if you want, if you have questions you'd like us to ask or you have feedback, changes you'd like us to make to some of these questions, we're definitely open to that. Just send us an email. If there's something that you're interested in, info at fueltravel.com, info at fueltravel.com, and we'll we'll take it into consideration. We, every single one of these, we're, we're tweaking a little bit. We're learning as we go. And if there's data that we're missing that would be insightful and helpful to you, we'll be glad to include it. And, and if you have questions on anything else, COVID-related or not, anything related to hotel marketing or uncrustable flavors or jelly, info at fueltravel.com is the place to do it. There you have it. Thanks, Melissa. Good episode. Love it. Thanks. All righty. If they want to learn more about you, Melissa, where can they do that? I'm on Twitter at M-A-Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H, where I'm also uh, very active on LinkedIn. You have been very active. Every article I see these days is like, Melissa found this useful, or Melissa commented <laughs> on this. Yeah. Uh, Phil? Uh, same. You can find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter at P. Fariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Again, show notes, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 158. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. It is strawberry and grape, but grape all the way. Really? I haven't, I need to go back to like kindergarten and, and go try some grape jelly. I haven't had grape jelly in a really long time. And why is it always grape jelly? There's no such thing as grape jam. What's the difference between grape jam and jelly anyway? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe it's the sugar content. Tell me what's the difference between that and preserves. I don't know. I feel like grape jelly is just corn syrup. Yeah, don't don't care at all. It's delicious. So I'm not saying it's not. Yeah, so I, I think if I saw two jars next to each other of whatever flavor, like strawberry jam and strawberry jelly, or, or if I got really lucky and it was like apricot or, or raspberry or something even more delicious, um, I think I'd pick the jam, not the jelly. Because in my mind, that's healthier for me. I don't know why. I feel like jelly, for some reason, is more artificial or something. I like jam. And then there's marmalade. That's a whole other thing. I'm, I'm out well, on isn't, that. Isn't that just a, a specific flavor of, of jam? Like, isn't that just a citrusy? Like orangey, right? Orange. You always see it as, like, apricot or orange. I think it has something to do with either, like, the rind has to be in it. Ooh, okay. Okay. Which is why you'll see orange marmalade. Mm-hmm. But not it's orange jam. No, you won't see orange jam. Yeah. Or jelly. We need, to, we need to get a jam jelly preserve marmalade expert on here and have him explain. There must be distinct definitions. I'm sure there's there's a website out there where you could type in a query like the difference between these and it tell you the answer. It's called DuckDuckGo. The difference between jam, jelly, preserves, um, marmalade. Oh, we forgot chutney. Chutney. Ew. Yeah. Chutney's long as it's in the same family. I consider so. that a dinner food. That's not a to be paired with peanut butter. Yeah, chutney chutney's like a sauce on the side of like a meat.
like a seafood or something. Mm. It's not. I don't think that's the same thing. Um, yeah, I'll send you this link. It's too long for me to read out loud. But there, there, right. apparently there are differences. Well, I'm glad I sparked a heated debate. <laughs> Very strong feelings about peanut butter and jelly. <laughs>